Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. 1 Timothy, chapter 1. We're going to read something real short before we get started. And if you didn't bring your Bibles, you can look up at the screen, but don't forget next time. Amen. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 1.18. It says, this is Paul writing to Timothy. And Paul says to him, Timothy, my son, because you see, Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. He said, I'm giving you this command, keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. You should underline that part in your Bible. Fight the battle well, holding on to faith and good conscience, which some have rejected, and some suffered shipwrecked with regard to their faith. Let's pray for the word. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning, Lord God, for bringing us all here, Lord. And we just thank you for your word, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you take away all distraction, Lord Jesus. That your word may be planted in our heart, Lord God. That it may give fruit, Lord in our lives, Lord Jesus, that we may see you more clearly, Lord, know you more intimately. Lord, we just ask one thing, and that's that your presence would remain here, Lord God, because it's already here. Your word says that when your people gather together in your name, you are there, Lord God. So we know you're here, and we just ask you that this morning you speak to us, Lord God. May it not be man's words, but your words. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I want to share a little bit of my testimony with you guys before. And, you know, my testimony isn't this lifetime movie, exciting, dramatic story that many of you have. And I know many of you have these crazy testimonies where you listen to it and you're like, your jaw drops. Like, how did you get through that? Wow, God is so good. Look at what God has done. My testimony is a little bit different. God was good enough to keep me from my youth. He kept me from sin. Thank God I never got into drugs. Thank God I never slept around. But the Lord kept me from my youth. And even though that's not a dramatic testimony or a dramatic story, it's just as powerful. And it's just as good a testimony as to how good God is. You see, when I was younger, I'm only 24. Some of you are like, shut up, you kid. 24. But yeah, when I was younger, <clears throat> I wasn't this strapping, uh, church-going Christian boy that you see before you. I was a little bit of a troublemaker. And you could ask my Sunday school teachers, Zuleika has good stories if you want to know some dirt, I, was, I would terrorize them. You know, the truth is I was only interested in doing my own thing, even though my parents drug me to church every weekend. I wasn't interested. I didn't want anything to do with it. I remember the first time my parents told me, all right, get dressed, we're going to youth group. I'm like, no. 
youth, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I loved my Fridays. I wanted to stay home in my pajamas, watching television, playing video games. That, that's what, that was my life. You know, I, w- I wanted to do my own thing. I grew up in church surrounded by Christians, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I wasn't interested in it. I was living for the Trinity of me, myself, and I, like so many people do. Have you ever met somebody like that? Somebody that's just pure selfish? I mean, they're all over the place. You need a ride? Don't ask them. Their car is out of gas all of a sudden. You need $20? Oof. It's gone. I just spent it. My last dollar? You you want a Snickers? You're hungry? Forget it. You're not going to get it from that person because they're pure selfishness. And that's how so many people live. You know who's an expert at, at living that way? Who has it down packed? Somebody that we all know. His name is the devil. Lucifer. Our enemy, our adversary, he did it before any of us did it. He was the one that invented selfishness. It's his thing. It's what he does. If we turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 14, 13, we could see what he's really all about. And you'll see that the devil has a little bit of an eye problem. It says about the devil, you have, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Can you notice? He has a little bit of an eye problem. It's I this and I that. I'm going to do this and I'm going to go up there. You see, for those of you who don't know, the devil used to be an angel. And he was the, kind of like the worship leader up in heaven. He was created to bring glory to God. On the day he was made, the Bible says that he was given instruments. He was like a walking, talking instrument. His whole purpose of being was to bring glory to God. But then he took a wrong turn somewhere. Instead of giving God glory looking to God and living for God, the purpose he was made for, he started living for himself. He started living for his own glory. You see, it's his very nature and character to be selfish, to live for number one. That's what he started doing. For those of you who are taking notes, you could write down number one. Who do you live for? Who do you live for? You see, the truth is, everybody lives for something. Everybody lives for the glory of something, whether it be for the glory of a job. Wow, look at my job. What a great job. I have all this money. You see, many people live for the glory of their treasures. See my new ride? It's nice, right? Don't touch it. For the glory of their house. Come over. Take off your shoes. This is a holy place. This is my house. They live for the glory of a title, a relationship. But you know what the majority of people live for? They live for themselves. They live for the glory of themselves. Look at me. Look at these new shoes. Hey, where were you last night? Oh, where did I get this watch? 
See, they live for the glory of themselves. It's all about them. If it doesn't interest them, they don't do it. Like the saying goes, si no te conviene, no lo hace. Right? That's all the Spanish you're going to hear in this service. <laughs> you see, when we live that way, you know what we're doing? We're shining the glory of the devil. We're showing his character. We're walking in his ways when we live selfishly like that. We're showing the world the glory of the enemy. But you know the opposite is true. When we start living in the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, we begin to shine the glory of God. The glory of God starts to issue forth from us. Whose glory do you live for? Because you see, Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus, the Bible says, is the very brightness and essence of God's glory. When we start to live like him, when we start to let him change us, to look more like him, that people look at you and they say, you know what, something is different about you. You aren't the same person I used to know. That's the glory of God coming out of you because you're not talking and walking like yourself anymore. Instead, you're talking and walking like Jesus. Whose glory do you live for? Ask yourself that question. You know, getting back to my story, when I was living selfishly, I came to a crossroads. I came to the crossroads of saying, you know what, am I going to be all in or not? Am I going to do this Christian thing or not? And you know, something funny started to happen. Something I never thought would happen. All the leaders in my life, all the youth pastors that I had, they started to break through to my heart. They started to reach me. They started to cultivate a change in my life. My youth pastors began to break through. Man, Jose Red and Maggie. Joey and Zuleika. Jose Palma and Ceci. William Monse. I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for them. All the love, all the time that they gave me. I wouldn't be who I was if it weren't for their sacrifice that they've made. And you know what? If you're sitting here and you have maybe a son or daughter who's doing what I used to do, just living for himself, doing whatever he wants, doesn't want anything to do with church or with anything about God, I wanted to tell you that there is hope. When Jesus is there, there is always hope. Hope is never lost when Jesus is in the situation. How do you think Mary felt when her brother Lazarus died and Jesus was late to the healing party? That they were out throwing out, don't worry, Lazarus, Jesus is coming, you'll be fine. And Lazarus is probably there coughing up a lung. Not feeling so good, he better hurry. Everyone's telling Jesus, Jesus, um, hurry up a little bit, you know? And Jesus is like, relax, 
Take it easy. Can you imagine how it must have felt to hurry up, Jesus? I know you're the savior of the world, but can you hurry up a little bit? He arrived late. Lazarus was dead and gone. To everybody, hope was lost. There was no more hope. There was no more future. Mary ran to Jesus when he finally arrived and said, Jesus, why, why, how could you let this happen? It's done. He's dead. Jesus just looked at her and said, where is he? Where is he? Don't worry. I'm here now. Hope is never lost. You see, if what made it that much more effective was that what I heard and what I received here at church when I came to youth group all those times was that it was reinforced at home. It was reinforced at home. And that's what made the difference. You see, youth only spend 10% of their time, if that, in church. The rest is outside of these walls. The rest is outside of these these doors. It's in your hands. That time at home is so precious. But you see, when I made that decision, you know what? I want to live like my youth pastors. I want to live like my parents. I want to live like my pastors. I want to live for the glory of God. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for something greater than myself, something that will last long before I'm gone, long before, long after I'm gone, I mean. You see, I don't know if you guys have heard about Leo Gossage. He was the president and founder of Name Ministries, the National Association for Marriage Enhancement. That's a tongue twister. Recently, he passed away, and I had the privilege, and it was a privilege, to see his memorial service. Man, that thing hit me like a ton of bricks. Molly, his wife, came up to the stand, and I'm like, all right, get ready. Because can you imagine talking at your husband's funeral service? I was waiting for her to, to fall on her knees, to, to, to sit down and cry that she wasn't going to be able to get a word out. But man, Molly was so strong. She was stronger than me. I was like holding back the tears, but she was standing up there so strong. And she said, you know, so many people are going to ask why. So many people are going to ask what now? What are we going to do? But you know what she says? She says, we're going to go forward. There's no turning back for us now. Why? Because we're devoted to the mission. That's what Leo would have wanted. That's what... His legacy is. You see, Leo lived for something greater than himself. You see, he's gone now. He's in heaven. He's with Jesus and praise the Lord for that. But his legacy, what he lived for, continues. It continues. And that's what I want my life to be. And you know what? That's what we were created for. We were made by God to glorify Him. We were made to bring Him glory. Not to live for ourselves, but to live for something eternal. You see, God's glory will never fade. His glory will never fail. 
You see, so many people, they live for this and that, and I shared this with the Living Stones a couple weeks ago. Steve Jobs, one of these, the most innovative men of our time, he made all these products. Hello. I this and I that, the iPhone and the iPhone 4S and this and that. You see, when the iPhone came out, everyone was like, oh my gosh, it's the coming of the iPhone. Everybody loved it. Everyone had to have it. I think I'm the last person on earth not to have an iPhone, and I can't wait to get mine. Hallelujah. <laughs> But you know what? The iPhone came, and it was only outdone by the glory of the iPhone 2. You have an iPhone 1? old news. Then the iPhone 3, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Then the iPhone 4, a new design and all this stuff. And it, that's how it is in the world. It's a hamster going on a wheel. The glory rises and falls like the grass. It fades away. Steve Jobs is gone now. Though he will be remembered as a genius in technology, the things that he lived for will one day be obsolete. An iPhone 4, pff, that thing is so slow. Look at how fast my thing is. Pff, you put on your glasses and you're there inside the internet. <laughs> what he lived for will one day fail. But you know what? We, the church, live for something greater, something that will never fade, that will never pass away. We live for the glory of God. We can echo Paul and say that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's not lo no longer my desires, my wants, but it's his plans for my life. And sometimes I don't understand why people are so afraid to step into the plans of God. In the word, it tells us that his plans are for our prosperity for our good, for our future, to give us a hope. But you know what it is like? It's like Peter when he stepped out of the boat. It was a step of faith. But we don't have to be afraid because the Bible says that Jesus is a rock. He will, all other ground is sinking sand. But when we put our foundations on him, we will never be put to shame. He will never fail us. Yes, trials and tribulations will definitely come. It's in the job description. I mean, it comes with the duty. Paul wrote to Timothy in another uh, chapter saying, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier for Jesus Christ. You see, we will suffer, we will face persecution and trials, but be encouraged because the word says that even though we're pressed on every side, we will never be crushed. Even though we may feel alone, he will never leave us. Amen? I mean, when Timothy joined the cause, when he signed up, he knew exactly what he was getting into. I mean, he could see it in Paul. Have you guys ever thought about all the things that Paul went through? 
This guy was beaten up time after time after time. He was stoned so bad one time, they left him for dead. He's like, this guy is done. Has anyone here ever gotten hit with a rock? That hurts. I got hit with a ping pong ball. And I was like, ow. Imagine rocks. Paul was hated on. You think you have haters? Man, Paul had haters. They were hating on him from every side. He got in three shipwrecks. The movie Castaway is about one shipwreck. Imagine three. And he was in prison more times than he could count. It was like his second home. He was like, hey guys, usual room? All right. He was in prison all the time for his faith, for living for Jesus. You know, since that turning point in my life, I've always identified with Timothy. I've always thought of myself, I want to be like Timothy. I don't want anyone to despise my youth. You know what I want to do? I want to be like Timothy and follow closely after the men of God that God has placed in my life. I want to follow their direction, their example, and yes, even their correction. And finally, I want to be devoted to the mission like Timothy was. I want to full-heartedly follow after him. And you know what's amazing? God's grace abounds like you'll never know. You think you're afraid? Step out in faith and watch how God catches you before you fall. I mean, look at my life, okay? If you can't see God's grace, do you know what I do every Thursday? I lead worship in the Spanish service. If you've ever heard my Spanish, you will know what a miracle of God that is. Whose idea was it to put the white kid to lead worship in the Spanish service? I mean, I pray to God, Jesus, and in nombre de Jesus. <laughs> God's grace abounds far beyond our own strength, far beyond what our abilities are. All he's looking for is for a willing heart. Somebody like Isaiah to say, here I am, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's all he needs is somebody to say, I will stay. I will be used. You know, a quote from Leo Gossage that really impacted me was that he always said, I didn't ask for this job. I only picked up the phone and answered the call. I didn't ask for it, but God was calling, and all I did was answer the call. You see, there was a need for marriages to be healed. There was a need for a powerful, world-changing marriage ministry. And Leo said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And this is a powerful verse. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it tells us, But we all, 
with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. You see, God has called us all to a mission to make famous the name of Jesus, to make known what he did for us, to change the world. But we cannot do this unless we do what it says in that verse, be transformed into that, his same image. That is what will take us from glory to glory. What does that mean? To more like Jesus and more like Jesus. That's when we start shining that glory that I was talking about that will be transformed to his same image as in a mirror, it says. That we look at ourselves and we don't even recognize who we are anymore. Man, there are some stories in the living stones that will make you cry, laugh, cry again, and pick up your jaw of these men and women that have come straight out of the world and they bring their friends to church and they say, man, who are you? I don't even know you anymore. That guy that I used to go partying with, where is he? And they could look at them and say, he's not here anymore. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. We cannot accomplish the mission of changing the world unless we shine the glory of God to all the earth. You know, men, you will glorify God when you love your wives like Jesus loves, like God loves the church and gave himself for her. When you take a stand in, as a godly example in your house, and women, the same is for you, you won't shine the glory of God until you love and respect your husband. You see, how are we going to change the world unless there's a change starting in our home. It starts there. If we can't glorify God in our home, then we're done before we even got started. If we can't change the atmosphere in our own home, how can we take it to the rest of the world? You know, since I made that decision, like Timothy did, to live for the Lord, my life has never been the same. And let me tell you, it wasn't from one second to the next. It was a process from high school, even through college. I continued to struggle with my own flesh and struggle and... You know, so many of us were praying and we're asking God, God, change my son. God, touch my daughter. Lord, my father, please change him. Now. God, I want it now. God, I can't wait anymore. I'm losing hope. I'm losing patience. But you see, God has a long-term plan. While we see five minutes in front of us, God is seeing 50 years ahead. He has a plan, and I promise you, if you stay faithful to his plans, he won't let you down. We could fully rest on him because he's sovereign. He's a good God that only knows how to give good gifts to his children. 
But we have this short-term sight. We're like, God, it's not happening. I mean, I'm losing hope. He's saying that we could, I could change my home, but it hasn't been happening and it's not working. God has a long-term plan. All he's looking for is somebody to say, here I am. I'm willing. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family's life. All we have to do is follow his direction, follow his lead. And sometimes that means cutting off relationships. Sometimes that means giving up this endeavor that we're after. Giving up our own desires. God, I want this to happen, but I'm going to take this with me. And we drag along our own desires and it's not going to work that way. But when we follow his perfect plan, man, the prosperity that comes out of it, the blessings that come out of it will blow your mind. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard what God has in store for you. Last night at the Living Stones College Group, I shared a message called, Will You Burn Your Ships? And man, we had a great time at Living Stones, right? Right, guys? Yeah, we had an awesome time. And the the message was called, Burn Your Ships. And the Lord gave me this phrase, and when I started researching it, I found out that the Greek army, one of the most powerful armies in ancient times, when they were well-led, They were well-trained, but most of all, they were devoted to success. They were committed to victory. They weren't going to turn back so much so. Do you know what they did? The first command that the leaders would say when they arrived on enemy shores, they said, burn the ships. Can you imagine that? They arrive on enemy shores... And they say, burn the ships. Can you imagine standing there in the territory of your enemy and the only way back is gone? The only way to retreat is done. That's because the generals wanted to give the army the only option of moving forward. It was only moving forward for them. There was no going back. You see, it was either they had victory or they didn't survive. It was those two options. And let me ask the musicians to come up. As we close, let me ask you, as I did the Living Stones last night, will you burn your ships? Will you tell God, there is no turning back for me? Let me tell you, that's what I did one day. I said, God, I'm not turning back anymore. I'm going forward with you. I'm moving forward. As Paul said, the one thing I do, leaving that which is behind, whatever happened in the past, all the things that I used to do and say and all the things I used to be, I'm leaving it behind and I'm pressing forward. I'm moving forward. One of my favorite old songs is called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I love that song. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one goes with me, no turning back. 
no turning back. And you know what? To finish my testimony, I go forward without fear of man or the enemy. I don't have to fear anymore because he is with me. You know, in my hardest times, in the times when I wanted to just quit and give it up, in the times when I thought I was alone, that's when Jesus was the closest. That's when his strength was the strongest. I mean, the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego is amazing. It was in the very midst of their fire when that evil king threw them into the furnace for their beliefs. When they were inside there in the midst of their most fiery trial, can you believe that that was the very moment that Jesus showed up? That was the very moment that everyone could look and see Jesus is with them. How are they surviving that trial? Jesus is with them. Who is that man in there? Who's that fourth person? People will look at your life in your most fiery trial, in your hardest times, those times where you're alone, and they'll say, how are they surviving that? You could say, Jesus is with me. They will be able to see him that when you can't anymore... When your strength is gone, that's when his strength comes up. And let me just tell you, fearing the devil is done with because there's, we know the end. He's defeated. He's done with. It's through Christ that we have the victory in him, over the devil. He has no more power over me. He has no more power over me because I live for the glory of God. You see, there's no more turning back. I've burned my ship. There's no retreat. Will you do the same? You see, the glory of God will not only change the world, but it'll change your home. It'll change your kids. It will change your family, your co-workers, your fellow students. If you're here this morning and you want to live for the glory of God, if you want to burn your ships and say, you know what, I'm all in, that's it. I'm done straddling the line. Stand with me. Let's sing this song together. And let me tell you, right where you are, right where you're standing, you can devote your life to Christ. You can do it like Timothy did, like Isaiah did, like I did one day. And tell him, Lord, that's it. I'm all in. I put all I have into following after you. I want to live for the glory of God. I don't want to live for my own glory anymore, Jesus. I want to live for yours. And let me tell you that his glory never fades. It never fades away or will never fail you if you put your trust in him. If you burn your ships and say, there's no turning back for me now. There's no turn. I don't care what people think. 
I don't care what people say. I will lift my hands up and give glory to God. Let's sing this song and just pray to God right there, right where you're at. Yes, Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turn. 